Hey everybody, man, I missed you. I missed you so much. Thanks for coming back. <clears throat> Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. They are the NFL champions, winning 38 to 35 over the Philadelphia Eagles. Great game. And of course, I see social media and what is everybody doing? Well, I shouldn't say everybody. What are most people doing? What are what is the the main topic of conversation being posted by viewers on social media? The refs, the refs, the refs, the refs. Do you want to know why we have a shortage of refs in this country? Because of that. You're entitled to your opinion. You 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 watch and you pay for your your stream or you got a ticket uh, or you see it in a replay you're entitled to your opinion that's fine if you want our sports to keep going you gotta leave the refs alone they are gonna screw up that's why they do instant replay but then we do an instant replay and what we're upset about how long the instant replay takes and then we're upset about how we interpret the rules versus what they do. Uh, did you know that when the instant replay is going on, the refs don't actually make the decision on that? It's someone somewhere in a studio that might not even be in the same city making that decision. And the ref is simply relaying that decision. So, anyway, congrats to the Kansas City Chiefs. Got a lot to talk about tonight. So, uh... Last night, there was a murder in North Fort Worth. Oh yeah, there was a murder. A murder mystery dinner that myself and Miss Becky Olson attended along with my in-laws, uh, my brother-in-law and his wife, my uh, mother and father-in-law. We went to this murder mystery dinner and uh, I didn't know what to expect uh, but it was something it was something so I'm going to save that for towards the end of the uh, episode but there was a murder in North Fort Worth a murder mystery dinner party in which the Olsons partook now moving on I want to talk about transfers. So uh, Brad Raisler asked me a question last week following our first episode. He wanted to talk about transfers, specifically high school transfers. So <clears throat> here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to uh, present to you some information, okay, and... and First, I'm going to give you perspective, like I'm going to try and go big picture, and then I'm going to get a little more specific, okay? So, the first thing that I want to say is, don't make rules that you can't enforce or don't want to enforce. Don't make rules you can't enforce or don't want to enforce. This is something that I've tried to live by. Um, and anytime I have someone whom I report to, I do my best to attempt to relay that information 
uh, something that they might already know. But I've found that when you are in a position of leadership or when you have to make decisions that are going to affect a lot of other people, okay, uh, you don't want to make rules that you either can't enforce or don't want to enforce. I think in a lot of industries, there's a disconnect from the top down because rules get made, okay? And you look at the committee or the individuals making these rules, and sometimes these individuals have never been at that, like, ground level, you know, out in the field, um, strapping on their boots and and dealing with the ugly nitty-gritty of whatever professionalism or, or industry that is. And because of that, uh, there's not a lot of respect for the humans making those rules. Mainly, you know, just there's a lot of hypocrisy in it. So, hey, this is a rule. This is going to be a tough rule. You're going to get a lot of pushback on it. Enforce it. What? So I have to enforce a rule that you made, even though you made a rule that I don't necessarily agree with. And I don't even understand why this is the decision on the rule that was created or amended. All right. So that's a big picture view. All right. So why do transfer rules exist? Now, we're starting off talking about high school, but this is applicable to college as well. It's not really applicable to uh, professional sports because in professional sports, you have the draft and you have free agency with trades and different things like that. Okay. Uh, And, and. In professional sports, uh, those athletes get paid. Um, But obviously, college athletes are amateurs, and they don't get paid anything, right? 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 Uh, Well, now, at least with a name, image, and likeness, they can legally get paid. But that's a whole whole new uh, set of rules and circumstances that are, are, are very, very young and are going to change. Okay, so transfer rules exist specifically at the high school level to keep kids from jumping around schools, all right? So the immediate rebuttal that I've heard to this as to why this is an unfair rule, because some people are like, transfer rules should exist, okay? They, They should exist in order to really make kids and families decide how bad do they want to leave their current situation and go to a new situation that might not actually be better for them. They just think is going to be better for them. Okay. And there's a lot of validity to, to wanting to transfer. All right. However, it's really a good idea to go through a process, a protocol through the hierarchy Uh, and exhaust your options before you decide to transfer because whatever school you're at you're you're at that school in the first place for when you start your high school career because you're probably zoned to go there or maybe you're not zoned meaning you don't live in the attendance zone but you chose to go to that school because of the total package the athletics uh, the academics, all right, the any other type of extracurriculars, uh, the quality of teaching that goes on there, the student to teacher ratio, maybe that school has a very good uh, 
ag program or band or student government and, and things like that. Uh, you also might have chosen to go to that school because of the uh, opportunities that exist for somebody once they're graduated from that school. Okay, so school X sends five kids to division one football programs every year. School Y hasn't sent a kid to division one within the last five years. Okay, so there's a big disparity there. Why is that? Okay, so the biggest rebuttal that you'll hear from the camp of people that say, uh, well, kids kids should, shouldn't have transfer rules. This should be lax. The biggest rebuttal is going to be, well, coaches can move and go wherever they want to go. Okay. Yes, that is true to a point. Coaches are adults. Coaches have jobs. Coaches are paid professionals. Okay, unless you're a coach um, who does not necessarily work for the school district, you're an off-campus coach, which in several states you're allowed to do that. And in Texas, uh, you can do that if you're at a, a private school in, in the TAPS League. Okay, so yes, yes, like you, you, can, you can leave as a coach and go wherever you want. And, and most of the coaches are on-campus coaches, or if they're not on that specific campus, they are working in that district. Okay, and that is one of the things that I think Texas really gets right is the fact that you have to work in the school district and usually on the campus of which you coach or sponsor an extracurricular. I think that's Texas does that right, and I think there's a lot of other states that should follow that model, but they don't for whatever reason. Okay, so uh, that's not fair, Adam. Uh, a coach can, can up and leave and move everywhere every year. Yeah, they can. Most coaches and most adults don't plan on job jumping, job hopping, unless it is a necessary byproduct of the profession. And in coaching, a lot of the times it is. Okay, so if you are a coach that is starting out and you want to become a head football coach, okay, which is a very prestigious position and requires a lot of hard work and dedication, then you're going to have to be willing to change locations for opportunity. You're going to have to go live out in an area that most people might not want to live out in. You're going to have to go to a school or a program that is, quote, less desirable. And you're going to have to do those things in order to build your resume up to get to that next step, okay? And so that is really, really a big part of coaching. Now you can say, well, uh, some coaches leave and they make lateral moves or even steps down, yeah. Uh, but just like with players wanting to transfer, there's a lot of different reasons why a coach is going to leave. Burnout, uh, not being treated well, uh the working circumstances and situation changed, okay? So, look, you can say, well, Adam, it's just not fair. The, the, if, if coaches can leave 
and go to wherever they want, then the players should also be able to do. Okay. A coach has a 40-year window, and I've told you before, they are paid professionals. Okay. Student athletes have a four-year window. Four-year window. Okay. I'm going to use myself as an example. All right. So I went to a 6A high school in Arizona. All right. Tempe Corona del Sol. 1001 East Knox Road stand up. And uh, I played uh, under a guy by the name of Gary Ventura. Okay, he, he played at uh, Arizona State University. He was a tough coach. Uh, and uh, towards the end of my high school career, I was kind of resentful of him. Uh, and he, I mean, he and I uh, have a really good relationship now. But, uh, you know, I started off my career there. And then I, um, towards the end of my my playing career, basically my senior year, I was not the biggest fan of my head coach, but I listened to him. Uh, I wasn't disrespectful or anything like that to him. And uh, I just remember thinking to myself, during my high school playing time, I think we had two guys leave and go to a rival high school, okay? Uh, and both those guys ended up playing uh, at that rival high school, and they beat us. And those two guys would have been good players for us. I don't know why they left. I wasn't really, I knew the guys, but I wasn't really friends with them. Uh, and we also had a guy come in, transferred from another school in our district, and he was not that good. <laughs> uh, that's why I'm not naming names right now. Uh, but... I just, I would never have been able to leave my high school, nor did I want, nor, nor did that thought even cross my mind to leave my high school, just because I wasn't happy with the head coach, or my position coach, or how many times I was getting thrown the ball, or uh, the fact that our defensive scheme didn't play to my strengths, or I, I just, if I told my parents something like that, they would have said, are you doing everything you can do? Are you practicing as hard as you can? Are you showing up and lifting as much as you should be? Do you know all your plays? They, they would have said those things. You know, my, uh, Neither of my parents are coaches. Uh, and, I mean, they would have never entertained the thought of me transferring just because I wasn't happy. The only time they would have ever intervened is if they thought my life was in danger, okay, or there was some type of abuse taking place. Now, the uh, the abuse deal, okay, that is a very subjective term because different people label abuse different ways. Some people are, they, they got a very broad spectrum and a lot more things qualify for abuse. And, and some people, it's not so much, okay? So let me give you a case study of three different states, okay, and how they handle high school transfers. All right, so the, the first state is Texas, okay, where, where I live currently, where I teach and coach currently, all right, and in Texas, the transfer rules are that you have to uh, have moved into the boundary lines, the attendance zone, of that school in order to be eligible to play any varsity sports okay now if you're a freshman or a sophomore 
and you're probably not going to be in var- on varsity anyway, you could move and play on their junior varsity or freshman team, and it's not really going to affect you. The people who these transfer rules tend to affect more are upperclassmen, especially seniors, because if you move or you change schools without moving and the transfer is deemed you transferred for athletic reasons, then there's a chance that you're not going to be eligible to play in any varsity contests, and that means you would lose your senior season of eligibility, okay? So you have to do things like appeal, provide some type of reason why you moved, provide who you are living with, uh, and there's got to be evidence. you got to be able to provide, like, bills uh, and Uh, written letters and statements from the adults whom you are living with who has custody over you Uh, and and if if there's ever the 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 sending school has to actually this that's the school in which the student athlete transfers from that school actually has to sign off on is this person leaving in good standing was this person ever disciplined by the sending school, so on and so forth, okay? And and look, there's some places where a coach is like, look, you don't want to be here for whatever reason. I'm just going to sign this and go, go. I, I'll, I'll sign off on it and go. And then I'll leave it up to the UIL or the district executive committee or the receiving school. That's the school in which the student athlete is transferring into. I'll leave it up to them to decide and work out the logistics of your eligibility. But then there's other coaches that are going to say, look, I'm just going to be honest. And I'm just I'm going to fill out the information that I know to be truthful, to be facts. Well, if if a coach ends up checking a box uh, for the yes option of did this student uh, transfer for athletic purposes right then there's definitely going to be hearing that's definitely a red flag and there's going to be some type of meeting that occurs with that student athlete uh, the guardians or parents uh, coaches of the sending school coaches of the receiving school coaches within the district Uh, there's a lot that goes into it Uh, I've sat through those meetings before and they're tough and they're in depth and there's a lot of questions asked okay and it's not a given, uh, so you got to have pretty good uh, circumstantial evidence to provide like uh, why you left. Okay, so uh, Texas has more stringent um, transfer rules and guidelines than a state like Arizona. Okay, so what did I start off this podcast saying? Don't make rules you cannot enforce or do not want to. Well, Texas, Texas has decided that they are going to enforce those rules and that they want to enforce those rules. So that's what the UIL, which stands for the University Interscholastic League, which is, you know, the the public school association that uh, that guides all of uh, Texas high school athletics. That, that's what they've decided they're going to do. Arizona used to be like that, but now... Arizona is an open enrollment state, okay? Uh, school of choice, which don't even get me started on that, okay? I'll talk about that some other time. It's 
that's a Band-Aid. That, that's not actually going to help us. What Arizona has done is they've said, okay, instead of us having to have all these hearings and, and have parents or guardians threaten to sue us, this is the AIA, the Arizona Interscholastic Association. Arizona simply says, you are going to sit out the first five games. This is in the case of football. In in the case of like volleyball or basketball, basically it's the 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 first 50% of your regular season games you are going to sit out. You are ineligible for varsity play if you are transferring for athletic purposes. But it doesn't have to be a secret. You don't have to make up other reasons about why you transferred. You can say, I'm transferring for athletic reasons. Okay? But you're going to have to sit out for the first 50% of those games. Well, what that does is for schools like that are perennial powerhouses, all that that does is they say, okay, well, we're going to halfway through the regular season, we're going to get a lot better uh, because we're going to get a high profile transfer in here uh, who just has to sit the first five games. And if that if that kid's an underclassman, they can play sub-varsity again. And then come game six in football, that joker is rip-roaring ready to go, and they're fresh. Holy moly. And that, that team's probably going to make a, a deep run into the playoffs anyway. So the kids just weigh the, the option of, okay, can I miss those first five games and still get enough game film to show to coaches? And the answer is yes, absolutely you can. Now, that's a lot less legislation and rule following and investigation that the Arizona Interscholastic Association needs to take care of. Uh, But, I mean, they still have to look at, like, someone transferring during the school year as opposed to uh, in between school years. Okay, so the summer, all right? And uh, there still has to be certain requirements that are met it's just Arizona is not as stringent as Texas the third the third state that I'm going to talk about is Florida Florida in 2017 passed a bill that allowed for immediate eligibility for any student athlete transferring from one high school to another okay the only real restrictions that the state of Florida has is if there's evidence of some type of recruitment slash prior contact, like inducement, basically, uh, then that kid or that coach can be fined or suspended. Okay, but that's really really hard to do. Okay, because the the burden of proof is not even on the kid; it's on the accuser of whoever said this kid transferred, which again, think about all the stuff that a coach has got to do. And now on top of all that, that coach is going to go out of his or her way and provide, Hey, I got screenshots and I got emails and I got documents. I got pictures and all that. Okay. That's fine. But the person who left your school doesn't even really want to be there for whatever reason. Okay. And now you're going out of your way to make it more difficult on them. I get it. I get it. I mean, they've you invested a lot into that person, and now they're just leaving you high and dry. That's how uh, that's how schools and kids feel sometimes when a coach does that too. So, there, it's it's fair uh, for them to think that way. But uh, you have three cases in Texas, 
with the most strict of the three laws and rules, okay? Arizona kind of in the middle, and then Florida is uh, the wild, wild west in terms of student-athlete transfers and immediate eligibility. So I guess it really just depends on how you feel about what is good for schools, communities, families. In a perfect world, you would have a situation where it's good for everybody, right? Like where where the kid benefits, the family benefits, the school benefits, and the community benefits. But a lot of the time, there's just too much at stake. Um, most of the time, with a high-profile transfer, that really is a cause for this kid has a lot of, of offers, uh, you know, multiple Division One offers, but maybe the kid really wants to win or he really wants to play with a bunch of other players. Uh, there, was a, there was a player in Texas who went to four different high schools that I know of uh, and then transferred out of state, and now he's a Division One Power Five player. He's a really good player. I'm not taking a shot at the kid at all, but that is a that is a huge red flag in recruiting, and uh, he was just that good. I actually saw that kid playing, and I mean he's legit. Uh, but man, four high schools in four years, and then transferring out of state, so five high schools in four years. Whew, man, that's a lot. scrolling through right now I'm trying to find oh okay so uh, I talked to y'all about refs earlier uh, but let's let's talk real quick about this because this is kind of a a a related part of transferring okay so I, I used myself as an example of, of why I couldn't have transferred uh, my parents wouldn't have given me a ride Okay, they would have made me figure everything out. They wouldn't have done anything except like if I brought them a document and I was that convicted about transferring, then they probably would have signed for me, but they wouldn't have given me rides or or done anything more. And it's not because they're mean. They just, that's my situation. Adam, figure it out. Figure it out. Like, you're going to have to um, be more resilient than that, man. So... I stayed, but I never wanted to transfer in the first place. I was I was proud to go to Corona, and even when I wasn't get along, getting along with my my coach at the time, I mean, it, that's just where I was supposed to be. So I was there, and it was either make plays and get better or get passed up. Even if I didn't feel like I was being evaluated fairly, it doesn't matter, man. Like, uh, doesn't matter. Get better, right? Okay, uh, so think about from a coach's perspective. doesn't matter if you're a coach or not. Just think about this perspective. You're trying to build a program, okay, whether you're an assistant or the head guy. You're part of an athletic department. You're trying to build a program, all right? You want to teach toughness, resilience, uh, great response to adversity, all those things, okay? conversations on car rides home and dinner table conversations can absolutely kill a culture 
or completely and utterly renovate it and build it, okay? So moms, dads, and, and family members, caretakers, guardians, if you come home and you're upset about how things are at work, okay, and the topic of conversation at the dinner table is a constant indictment on your supervisor or your authority figure. Uh, they don't know what they're doing. I could do their job better than they are. This person's terrible. And then if that bleeds over, let's say you're just watching the ball game with your son or your daughter and you're screaming at the TV and you're yelling at the refs on the TV or you're yelling at the coach on the TV. Catch the ball. He needs to block better. Tackle someone. Things like that. What you're doing is you're opening up Pandora's box because whether or not you mean to, this is now giving permission and saying it's okay to feel some type of way about your supervisor. And then we're going to come home and we're going to bash on our supervisor and we're going to uh, diminish that person's abilities and we're going to say, well, that they shouldn't be in the position that they're in. I can't believe they're making this much money. I can't believe that they got the title that they got. I can't believe that they were in charge of this. And 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 so when, when you say that and then you want to go and you want to say, well, I'm not that parent. I don't want to be that parent, but, and you have a caveat, you're, you're just, you're saying, hey, look, if things are not good here, we're just, we're going to go somewhere else. And like, you have the right to do that. You really do. Okay. But think about what's being said on a daily basis. Think about that. Okay. I'm a parent too. So I have to be very conscientious about what I say to my kids or in front of my kids. All right. Same, same to my wife. Uh, I gotta, I gotta think about what do I want my wife to think about my colleagues my supervisors am I going to go and tell my wife these things about my colleagues and supervisors that are negative am I going to go post on social media things that are negative there's a better way to handle it let's go directly to the person and talk to that person and, and seek to understand rather than seeking to be mad most coaches that are worth anything are going to be willing to talk and listen to you about that All right, the murder mystery. So I told you all that I went to a, a murder mystery dinner, okay, on, uh, on Saturday night. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, so we, we went to this dinner and we sat at a round table, a table of 10, and they served us appetizers they served us uh, an entree they served us a dessert they uh, gave us drinks you could purchase adult beverages should you choose uh, and then they had several actors and actresses reenact a murder mystery they had uh, interactive um, digital like QR codes 
clues. And so based on what the actors and actresses did, along with the digital cues and clues, uh, you were supposed to be able to solve this mystery. Uh, and it went, it was basically a three-part deal. So you got like three clues, then three more clues, and then like a big clue at the end. Uh, and you were supposed, everyone had a name tag. Uh, my, my name was Cookie Monster. I was Cookie Monster because that's the best Sesame Street character. Clearly, that's the best Sesame Street character. Like it's not even, it's not even close. If someone, if you tell me that the best Sesame Street character is Elmo, Just don't, don't do it, because Elmo is not the best. Elmo is probably the worst Sesame Street character for so many reasons. Cookie Monster is definitely the best Sesame Street character. Okay, so at the uh, <laughs> at the end of the 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 murder mystery dinner, the hostess presented us with basically a, a run-through dialogue of uh, who who the actual um, character was that uh, that murdered the other characters and there were in the audience there were some plants not like leaves and trees plants but like actors and actresses that were a part of the show that had to assume the role of guests and then during the show they kind of popped up and they did their part okay and so i after the the show i i was grateful it was it was a it was a fun experience you know you you can't you can't go into it and be like oh this is um, lame um, i'm not doing this it's it's an adult mystery dinner. Now, there were a couple of uh, high schoolers there. I think their parents had bought them tickets. I don't know, but there was definitely some like the, the, it was it was PG thirteen language, and there was a lot of innuendo. So there was just straight up cussing, uh, which okay, and, and there was uh, there was several like sexual innuendos involved in it, and. I guess, you know, that they're trying to cater it towards adults. And so that's what uh, they thought we would like. So uh, I went into it with like no expectations. And so it, it was it was fun. It was a good time. I asked my wife, I asked Miss Becky, my wife, the real MVP. How did you feel about the murder mystery dinner? Did you enjoy it? She said, "Yeah, uh, it it was it was like being on a Triscuit." And you're like, Adam, what what does that mean, dude? It, a Triscuit's a, this dry cracker. So let me explain. So a couple years ago, Becky and I went on a vacation, just her and I, uh, down to Fredericksburg. Okay, which is a, a for all of you not familiar with Texas, it's a city kind of close uh, to Austin and San Antonio, like in between them. It's it's in this this part of the state called Hill Country. It's beautiful. Fredericksburg is very nice. There's lots of things to do there. It's a very touristy, vacationy spot, and I don't care. I like Fredericksburg a lot. So we went there, and we went to a 
a, a vineyard, a winery. And <laughs> so I'd never been to one before. And at the winery, they wanted to sell, they got to, they got to sell you memberships, right? So, so, and there's all these wineries all over the place. So they're all competing for the clientele and they, they understand like they got to make the sale now because most of these people don't live around here. They're here to vacation. So we got to get them. We got to get them now. We got to sell them a membership so that they sign up and they want to get shipments of wine to, uh, they want to get shipments of wine to their, to their homes. All right. So <laughs> when they were presenting their their uh, their membership to us, the first thing they did was they took five different wines and they paired them with little uh, appetizers, like finger foods, okay? And so the, the gentleman that was doing our uh, tasting would say, this is a Merlot uh, with... Uh, salmon pate uh on a jalapeno cheddar cracker or you know something something like that I, he did a way better job but i'm i'm just trying to tell you like that that that's the the fanciness of it all okay so we would go through and we'd waft and sw- we'd swish the wine around and then we'd we'd drink it and and eat the little uh appetizer that was paired with it okay and then we'd all like kind of nod and look at each other. Like, I don't, I don't, man, I wish they had beer there, but that's okay. That's okay. You're, when you're at a winery, you taste the wine and you enjoy. That's what you're supposed to do. Okay, so <clears throat> the last wine, I don't even remember the wine, but it was paired with a uh, finger food and the the guy said okay this is this is prosciutto with goat cheese on a trisket the man said trisket so everything else sounded all fancy but then he said trisket and i just i looked at my wife and i was laughing because that it, it's supposed to be fancy right and i just thought it was so hilarious that the man the man who was doing a great job said Trisket because that's, you know, that's something you're just going to reach into the pantry and get. And I thought it was all fancy. So anyway, Becky's description of the murder mystery was, and I thought it was, I agreed with her. It was very appropriate. Yeah, it was good, but it was just like being on a Trisket. Like it was, it was good, but th- there was nothing where we were, were like, my mind is blown. I'm a raving fan of it. Um, and that's not to, again, like the actors and actresses, they were passionate. They did it. They did the best that they could. Uh, and there was a big audience there. So, I mean, obviously it's successful because that was a full, full, um, hotel, like dining room. I mean, there was not a seat open. So a lot of people paid a lot of money to do it, I think. I mean, I, it was a Christmas present for us, so I don't know how much it costs, but I would imagine it wasn't cheap. <clears throat> so there's there's that. The, 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 the murder mystery was like a Trisket out of winery. Trisket out of winery. Adam, what are you talking about? Okay, uh, I'm going to wrap things up. All right, I'm going to end with this. 
this is uh, something that is is near and dear to my heart, and is extremely controversial in the state of Texas. In the category of breakfast foods that you don't have to eat at breakfast, but they are most commonly associated with breakfast, we're going to go to the grains department, okay, the grains section, all right, because you have your, your pastries, your grains, you have your meats and all that stuff. We're going to the grains. I'm just going to call them that because, uh, well, it's my podcast and I'm 40 and I do what I want. So the superior food is definitely bagels, okay, or to put it more succinctly, Bagels are much better than donuts. It's not even close. It's it's not. Uh, bagels have so much more versatility than donuts. They taste so much better. And I'll take a step further. And you're really... This is going to make you mad. Okay. English muffins are a lot better than donuts too. I've eaten donuts before. Uh, I like me a good apple fritter. If in that song, uh, Adam, an, an apple fritter is not a donut. It's not a, it's not a donut. Okay, well, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, I, it fall, to me it falls in the donut category. All right, <clears throat> but the versatility that a bagel brings, okay, of all the different types of cream cheeses that you can put on it, whew, it's just it's so good. It's so good. And and you can you can put a bagel in the savory category, okay? You can put it in the sweet category. You can eat it at any meal. You could also do that for a donut, but I, I feel like donuts are more pigeonholed or stereotyped towards breakfast than a bagel is. Okay? You can also just use a donut or a bagel, oof, a bagel as a substitute for a bun, okay? Uh have you ever had a breakfast sandwich but used a bagel instead of just bread? I'm telling you right now, bagels are so much better than donuts. English muffins are so much better than donuts. Change my mind. I dare you. Well, I missed you guys. I am so glad to be back again. Uh, Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, Patrick Mahomes. Just, I mean, in all those, the my favorite left-handed center, Creed Humphrey, uh, and and all Steve Spagnola, the DC, uh, Travis Kelsey, maybe the best tight end ever. I don't know, and, and so many more. Uh, congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, think about transfers, high school transfers. We could talk about college transfers, but I think we honestly, we just need to save that for another episode uh, and, and kind of play off of that. Uh, I'd be interested to hear from someone else who's been to a dinner murder mystery, their thoughts on if it's good or not. And then, I mean, you can at me with the whole you don't know what you're talking about. Donuts are better. 
I dare you to change my mind. I seriously doubt you're going to. I've, I've lived on this planet for 40 years. Bagels are just so much better than donuts, and English muffins are as well. Um, if you want to try and enter another food item into that conversation, you can submit it to me, and then we'll see if it if it's going to fall in the grains category or if I if I put it somewhere else. Um, maybe next time we can talk about uh, French toast, waffles, crepes, pancakes, that kind of deal. Uh, but that's going to be that's going to be it for tonight. I really appreciate y'all. Uh, and oh, one more thing. My wife Becky. Uh, a couple episodes ago when I said she was the real MVP for making the lobster mac and cheese, but that she didn't make it, make it. She just heated it up. That was not meant to be a slight. Now she confronted me later on about that. And she uh, playfully said, now my baking podcast is going to be smeared because people are not going to think that I have enough credibility as a baker and a cook baby you are the best i love you so much and you make great food items and dessert items uh that our friends and families have enjoyed and will continue to enjoy okay so so you are the best i I love the food that you make regardless of how much or how little time you actually put into making it or just preparing it i love it all right and so that's it that's it for tonight and uh Olsen, out. I love you, Dad. I love you, Mom.